3: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: My guys call me pretty much every day to check on me, and then, um,
3: excuse me.
2: When your former players call you, and former people you've worked with call you, you know you've done some good things because those kids call me every single day to make sure that I'm doing all right, I'm hanging out okay, so it's been really good. My guys help me out a lot, more than they know, current and
4: former players. Anytime he gets to be back out there with us, kind of brings a smile to my face, and I know the kids really enjoy it too, and they love seeing him out there. Um, and he's trying to do what he can do, and most important thing for right now for him is to get healthy and take care of his family. But we love it when he comes out here, so I'm glad his wife lets him come for a few hours. All I got, all I got to say about that is that guy's tough. You know, that guy's a tough guy. Um, just to see him, just to see him, he lights up the room um, every day. His voice is heard. Uh, he's there, he's there every day, and he's dealing with what he's dealing with. But he's there every day, and all I can say to to, to, to someone like that is he's is a tough guy.
1: And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. having I'm going to wash that out with us this week here, as he is off on the road with the Big Ten basketball tournament. But we start out of the gates, Nate, right off the right out of the way here. Uh, With uh, the news of Javon DeWitt, we we knew he was battling cancer, um, throat cancer that um, he was diagnosed with in January, had a bump on his neck, uh, went in, got it seen, they gave him some antibiotics, the bump got bigger, they diagnosed him with cancer on January 20th, going through treatments um, as we speak that will go all the way into April, both chemotherapy and radiation treatments, has had a feeding tube put in. Uh, but has only missed one spring practice all year. And he was out there the very first day, had to check himself into the hospital immediately, said he missed his first football practice in 35 years as a coach or a player on last Wednesday, the second uh, overall practice of the spring, but has been out there everyone since. And um, you just get the sense there's not going to be much. that's going to keep Javon DeWitt away from this football team this spring.
0: No, there's no way. Uh, I mean, this is, and, and, it's, and it's probably a good thing. I mean, Um, he he probably needs football to kind of take his mind off everything that he's dealing with and, um, you know, all the treatments and everything. It's probably healthy for him to to be around a a little bit of it, at least. Uh, I mean, obviously you don't want to overdo it. I know he he said – uh it probably wasn't too smart of him to um to you know kind of overdo it that first day where he had to check himself into the hospital but uh but man uh you know i think travis fisher said it there in that open i mean talk about a tough guy um you know first you miss your first practice in 35 years of football um, and it's, it's because of cancer. I mean, it's, that's, uh, it's pretty remarkable. Um, and I, to be honest with you, I, when I saw him on Wednesday, I, I didn't recognize him. He at lost first. 45 pounds. Yeah. Uh, I had to do a double take, uh, cause you know, he usually has a goatee or a beard. Um, you know, he was clean shaven and, and had lost 45 pounds. So, um, yeah, it, it uh, you know it's it kind of it's a, a humble reminder that, that there's a lot of you know that the game of football is is just a very small part of, of uh, you know this thing that we call life and, and is uh, you know it's pretty pretty precious um, you know so hopefully um, you know Javon DeWitt you know beats his cancer it supposedly um, you know I think it has a high rate of
1: mid mid ninety percent yeah
0: so uh, but it's still a very very scary deal.
1: Yeah, and you just never know how someone's body is going to react. It's the medications and the treatments um, that run you down so much. I mean, he lost 45 pounds in about a month. Yeah, Um, Had to have a feeding tube put in so he could properly eat. I mean, the radiation kind of burned your throat. I think those are the side effects you worry about because sometimes you, you might get run down, then you get sick. yeah, And then that's when worse things happen. A lot of times it's not the cancer, it's the battle with the cancer that can lead to illness and sickness so uh, he said he's got to be very careful just around the players and the guys uh, throughout the spring just because um, you know even around all these players you know you got to have hand sanitizer around all the time.
0: Your immune system is shot and and, uh, (laughs) yeah you want to talk about a kind of a cesspool of germs. I mean, you never know what, what you're going to find around you know, a team of 150 football players and, you know, practice field or a locker room or whatever. So, yeah, you got to be pretty careful in that regard.
1: Yeah, he mentioned, um, you know, just he has a whole new level of respect now for he's been in part of Team Jack um, for two years. And when he sees those kids that, that go through the pediatric brain cancer, and he goes, those are tough kids. He goes, for those kids to go through what they're going through, um, he can't even imagine because, I mean, he knows what he's going through right now. And, you know, that level of cancer, he said it's even, he can't even imagine uh, brain treatments and, and everything they do. So um, it, it's been eye opening, I think, for everyone close to Javon DeWitt. I mean, guys like you and me, Nate, we're not much younger. We're about the same age as Coach DeWitt. We yep. have two young kids like he does. And uh, so you just wish him and his family. Uh, the best, and um, you know, he joked his wife's not exactly happy with him uh, being at practice every day. Uh, She took his keys away. She drives him up here, but I think anyone that probably knows him knows that he has to be there. I mean, he wants to be there. That's the most important thing. It's not like Scott Frost is saying, come to work every day. Um, I think for his mental sanity, he needs to be around the game of football. I mean, it's been a part of his life for 35 years, and quite honestly, I think I'd be the same way. I'd still want to probably go to work um, and, and not just be laying around and, 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 you know, he said, I don't want to be home sleeping, then getting up to throw up, then go back to sleep. I want to be doing something with what I love.
0: Yeah. I think you have to kind of be around it and, and, you know, be around your support system. Obviously your family is your ultimate support system, but, I mean th- this coaching staff and the football team and and he even mentioned you know former players of of his that are that are calling and checking in on him and and you know kind of seeing how he's doing I mean that's that right there is is uh is really big uh, just having that moral support and and kind of you know kind of keep a positive attitude on on everything because uh I mean I can't even imagine I mean that would that would be tough to to go through that and and to be doing the treatments and and everything and Um, you know, I I do think that it's probably very healthy for him to kind of be around uh, all the support that he's getting from everybody.
1: And some other news here uh, during the week, Nate. um, Maurice Washington went away back to California Sunday night, um, voluntarily gave himself up on Monday um, and, you know, kind of moved that thing forward, came back to Lincoln Monday night, is scheduled for a court date April 10th. Um, Now there's a chance that may not even happen if they're able to maybe plead his deal down into a misdemeanor um, I don't believe he'd even have to appear back in California in court at that point. So it will be interesting to see kind of what happens next, if he even has to go back out to California again, if his attorney, John Ball, is able to get that thing knocked down into um, do a misdemeanor. Um, but, you know, the, Scott Frost, the one interesting thing I found about that is he has really gone out of his way to, to stay out of it. And, and that is the college football world that we live in now, head coaches, are not allowed to get involved in these type of investigative and legal matters as we've learned with situations at Baylor and Penn State and many others over the last 10 years. Um, So Scott Frost has really kept a distance. Um, I'm sure he has somewhat of an idea but he doesn't want to get involved in in the decision making of this process.
0: Yeah I, I think when it comes to you know something like this and um, you know, with it being a legal matter, you know, the, the last thing you want to do is, is become overly involved or, or to try and, you know, do any sort of investigation or, or try to, you know, be the one, um, you know, leading him or helping him or, or whatever. I mean, obviously you want to do, you want to offer any type of help you can, you can give, but you, you have to leave it up to the legal professionals to, to kind of handle all that stuff. And, Um, you know and and as a lot of people have mentioned over the last week or so you know all you can do is uh, you know is is coach up and and teach the guys that are around and um, you know and and, uh, you know he's missed he's missed a little bit of time and so uh, you know, I, I don't think it's been a huge distraction or anything, but uh, yeah, I do think that Scott Frost is handling it the right way and the proper way. Uh, you know that uh, that a head coach has to do in, in these types of situations.
1: All right, we we got a full show on tap. Nate and I are going to talk offensive and defensive storylines. We'll take your questions in the mailbag as well as recruiting. We're not going to get into basketball because there's just too much happening and changing as we're taping this show with Nebraska playing. Um, in the Big Ten tournament and a lot of unknowns. So uh, we're going to be strictly football uh, this week here on the Husker Online Show. When we come back, we're going to talk offensive storylines we've learned here over these first two weeks. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
3: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, running backs one of the positions we're thin
4: right now. Um, You know, we got – Maurice, who wasn't here today, and Jalen Bradley. uh, We put Wyatt Mazur on scholarship. Those are our only scholarship guys. Uh, Wyatt uh, has been hurt, and today was his first practice back. Uh, The rest of them are are walk-ons that are doing a good job and trying hard. But we certainly don't have the the people that we need at that position to have it look like it needs to yet. These guys are going to get a lot of reps and opportunities, the guys that are here. So hopefully some of them take advantage of them.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Lions show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, that was head coach, Scott Frost, just about their current running back situation. And, you know, back when you look, Nate, in 2018 and 2019 recruiting classes, everyone's like, why are they taking so many running backs? Well, they're already out of running backs again. <laughs> I mean, it's Greg Bell's gone. Maurice Washington's dealing with legal issues. Um, there's so many things that have just happened with that position. Uh, Dedrick Mills didn't get on the campus, so he's not going to get here. Um, so, you know, you look at that position this spring, it's going to be really, really hard to walk away with much. I mean, we know Maurice Washington's a dude. We expect his thing to kind of move forward. You just don't know what Dedrick Mills is going to be like when he gets here. You think he's going to be good. Um, Wyatt Mazur is, is what he is. I mean, he's going to be a serviceable role player and help this team in different areas. Um, but, yeah, there you know, it, it's opened the door for a guy like Jalen Bradley, a small door for him to maybe try to make a move, Nate. And I I think it's more about can he show the staff enough that he deserves more reps come August?
0: Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's, it's kind of, you know, demanding the attention in the fall uh, is, is what the spring is about is, is um, you know, can, can he show the staff that that he's dependable, that he knows his plays and that when he has an opportunity to carry the football, he's going to, he's going to do something with it. And so, um, you know, and, and the opportunities are certainly there for him to do that, and and it sounds like he's he's having a, a good good spring so far, uh, but I don't know if if he's you know necessarily blown anybody away just yet. So, uh, you know, I think the key for him was was having a a good winter conditioning, uh, because it sounds you know from. From listening to, to Ryan Hell talk about it, you know, I don't know if if Jalen Bradley completely bought into what Zach Duvall and his staff were doing in the weight room last year, uh, and then obviously, he, you know, he was dealing with some things off the football field uh, last summer that I think, you know, kind of contributed to him uh, needing to take a redshirt last fall. So. Uh, But the time is now because uh, there's a lot of bodies coming. You've got Dedrick Mills. You've got, uh, you know, Ronald Tompkins, Ramir Johnson. um, You've got, you know, and then you throw in somebody like a Wondell Robinson who's going to command some carries in the backfield, and maybe even uh, a Miles Jones. I mean, there's going to be a lot. The the whole dynamic is changing uh, next fall. So the time is now for for Jalen Bradley.
1: You're listening here to the Huskar Line Show, Sean Callahan. Nate Klaus, as we discussed some of the offensive storylines here this spring. And, you know, another one to me, Nate, running back, as we know, we're not going to learn a ton um, about what it's going to look like until August. But offensive line, I think, is a position we are going to learn a lot about. And um, just kind of finding that quote unquote best five, g- getting that group out there. And I think right now, Trent Hickson looks like he's going to be one of those best five guys. I mean, that's the guy that is working with the number ones as a guard. He's going to get pushed from John Raritan. Um, you know, Christian Gaylord, if he steps up at tackle, can maybe cause a shift. Uh, but I think it's really looking at those guys, looking at Gaylord, looking at Hickson, looking at Raritan, deciding which one of those is your best guy, and then that's ultimately what you decide to do with Matt Farniak, who today obviously still remains as a guard. Well,
0: uh, well no, Farniak is, is that right? a tackle. tackle. I'm sorry, yeah. tackle. I'm already moving him to guard. Yeah, yeah. and and that's the thing. You know, Farniak said that no one has, they've not even brought it up, uh, position change to him. He's the right tackle. He's focused on working that right tackle. Um, you know his his whole off season was was uh, you know predicated on on him being the right tackle and and uh, you know and, and so and, and so far I think he's doing well there but to me the storyline is is kind of Trent Hickson he's somebody you want to talk about you know grabbing a hold of an opportunity he's somebody who's done that you, you started to hear the coaches mention his name towards the end of last season um, and, and he's just continued to, to kind of emerge since that point in time and. Uh, you know and he like you said he's taking reps at the the number one left guard spot right next to Brendan Hymus there and um, you know, and, and I think that, uh, you know, someone someone that I spoke with said that that uh, he's always been a smart kid, understands the game of football, but but now he's kind of turned into an ass kicker out there. And he's old school, yeah, he's old school. And and I guarantee you, I know for a fact that that's what Greg Austin wants. He, he wants he wants five ass kickers out there. And, and so I, I think that uh, when you talk about Trent Hickson, that's that's kind of how he's been able to to kind of put his name in the conversation to, to grab him one of those starting spots and
1: the walk ons right now. On the O line, I mean, it's actually a pretty decent group. I mean, as far as providing depth, you you look at AJ Forbes. I mean, I think they like him for the future. Hunter Miller is another one. I mean, so there are some walk-ons in there with Hickson leading the way that are going to make a push for playing time.
0: Yeah, and and that's a good problem to have. I mean, um, you, I mean, obviously, you always want your scholarship players to to develop the way that you you know always thought they were going to when you were recruiting them, but. Um, you know, you can never have too many good walk ons and, and um, you know, and so far they're having some some really good walk ons kind of develop and and that's kind of been, you know, the the history of the position uh, you know at Nebraska. You you are there's always some some walk on guys that turn into turn into starters and get put on scholarship and, uh, and we could be seeing, you know, that that next story kind of emerge here with Trent Hickson.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus as we talk offensive storyline center to Nate is one that I think it's kind of hard to get a read on mainly because of Cameron Jurgens. Um, I think if you're just looking at it and you're looking at resumes, athletic ability, upside, strength, speed, power, he's the guy. But does he know the playbook yet well enough to be the guy and is most importantly how's his health and the durability of that foot? Otherwise Um, don't count out Will Farniak at center right now, and and then Hunter Miller is a very, very talented walk-on that's going to get an opportunity as well. Those are really the three, uh, but I still think it's more about can Juergens get himself ready to be that guy?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's a tall task to ask somebody to – to make the switch from tight end to, to center, you know, in the middle of last season, essentially, or towards the end of last season. And then, um, you know, kind of, you know, put the the whole weight of him being the starter uh, on his shoulders, just a handful of months later. So, um, and, and he's had that, the issue of, of being injured kind of hovering over his head really for not just, not just over the past year, but for the last three or four years, you know, he, 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 uh, um, you know, I think he's basically since the time he was a sophomore in high school, he's missed time uh, at some point during the year uh, for injuries. And then, of course, that bad break in his leg, uh, you know, his senior year uh, really, really cost him, really kind of hurt him. But but there's no doubt that he is by far and away the most athletically gifted player at that position is just going to come down to can he can he stay healthy and can he you know know the plays and and operate um, you know do everything that they want him to do
1: yeah you just hope he's not going to be one of those guys that you talk about man what if he could have stayed I mean you want him to get himself up to speed and he's a competitive kid I mean he is going I mean he got himself back to win state shot and disc when nobody thought that was a possibility last year at this time um, you know he, he was cleared like days before districts qualified for state and districts um you know in one state and so yeah you hope that he's got the right frame of mind and you know is not overdoing it either this spring
0: yeah you don't you don't want to to ask him to do too much um you know and, and there was you know some talk of you know people were scared about what happened because uh, he's coming off that broken foot and and there was some talk that the day that he got cleared uh, uh to to really you know change a direction and, and put full weight and, and practice completely on it that he may have tweaked that that foot again a little bit so I mean that's definitely a concern so you don't you don't want to ask him to do too much but um, but you're right. I, I think that he is the ultimate competitor, and, and just again, he's he's by far and away the most athletically gifted kid there. Just the transformation that his body has has been able to to make here over the last four or five months is to me is just completely insane. Because um, he I mean, he looks he looks like a like a an offensive lineman now when. You know, six months ago, he looked he looked more like a tight end. Um, so, I mean, he's done some serious work, and, and uh, if he can stay healthy, he, he should be pretty darn good for Nebraska.
1: All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over now to defense as we'll discuss some of the major defensive storylines that came out here of the first two weeks. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
3: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
4: It's faster paced, it's cleaner. Uh, The guys know how to practice, they know how to transition from drill to drill. We almost don't have to tell them. I don't know how to put this, the stamina maybe is better. It was hard first for these kids to get through practice the way we wanted them to, the tempo that we wanted, the individual transition to seven on, transition to team and let's go, go, go. And this year they're, they're easily doing it. So I think the strength conditioning has a huge part in that. Um, With with Coach Duval, and also just being the second year used to it, your body's used to it, your mind's used to it. Um, So, I think the tempo of practice is the most impressive thing right now.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking defensive storylines. That was defensive coordinator Eric Chenander saying, you know, one of the biggest things he's noticed Nate about this team this spring is just how they're able to handle the practice better. You know, I think a year ago going through practice daily in the spring especially, it was like a foreign language, just the pace, the the tempo, all the elements that not only go with Scott Frost's offense, but the way they have to play defense. And you're seeing that now with year two, how guys have really adapted to how Chenander and the defensive guys want to practice.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, just the familiarity with it all just, I think, helps everybody out um, in, in terms of knowing the, the plays that are being called, in terms of knowing how – Um, how they want practice to look, you know, he, he mentioned it in the open there, just transitioning from one drill to the next. I mean, the players know what's expected of them, Um, you know, and and so they're able to to operate at a a quicker pace, Um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I think he, he mentioned some buzzwords, I think, um, you know, on Wednesday that Nebraska fans probably get excited about. I think he, he mentioned that the practices are, are more, more violent and, Um, and the guys are are creating more turnovers. And so, uh, you know, all of that is is welcome news as well.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk uh, defensive storylines and moves here, Nate. And, you know, outside linebacker, we heard and talked about Javon DeWitt earlier in the show. But, you know, one of the big moves that's happened on this defense is with JoJo Dolman. And uh, the way they've moved him around this spring, um, I mean, I hate to go this route, but, it's got an Eric Haig type of feel to it when you look at JoJo Do- Doman and dare I say the word peso yeah. on the Husker Online show. And aren't they calling him the Cinco?
0: Well, yeah, it's not the peso. It's, it's the Cinco. cinco. So, yeah, uh, which Doman, he said he's, he's like, eh. first of all, he's the only player operating at that position, which is basically the nickel linebacker. Um, you know, and, and he's, he's somebody that, that can, can bounce between, uh, outside linebacker and, and safety and nickel and, and do a bunch of different things. And, and, uh, he's the only player operating there and he's not a huge fan of the, the name of the position, uh, the Cinco. And, and so I, I think he, he said if, if he continues to be the only player operating there, he might, might try to talk with the coaches about renaming it. But, uh, but I think he's got an opportunity here to, to, to do something pretty special to, to be. Um, You know, a playmaker there at that spot. Uh, He's he's up to 230 pounds now. He's he's, uh, you know, I think he's in the best shape of his life. Um, And and just you saw what he could do last year. You know, when his when his name is called, when his number is called, he he makes plays, and and they need that uh, desperately. Uh, And I think that. Um, you know, he's he's somebody that I think has a, you know, a bright season ahead of him, assuming he can stay healthy and everything. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, there's a lot of people that are pretty excited about what Jojo Doman brings to the table.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. Yeah, and I, I just think he's too good of a f- football player not to be using. Um, the little sample size that they had with Jojo a year ago, he made plays. I mean, you go back – the Ohio State game and the fumble he it. forced, and then you know there was another. I'm trying to think. There was another play he made the week before. I mean, he made like multiple forced fumbles.
0: Well, when he talked with the the uh, the media on Wednesday, um, you know, he missed some time because he he got hurt and coming out of fall camp. And he said, and I don't think if any, I don't think anyone really said what the injury was, but he said on Wednesday that he actually had a, a stress fracture in his back. Uh, coming out of, of fall camp, which really limited him until the Northwestern game. He played all special teams in the Northwestern game, and it was the Ohio State game where he was able to to, uh, to have his first career start. And, you know, he had that strip sack on uh, Dwayne Haskins in that game. Um, you know, coming off the edge on a blitz. Um, and, you know, and I, I think he made some he made some big plays and and uh, was a Michigan State. Uh, he had he had a couple really big plays too. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's the guy. I mean, the coaches told him he was one play away from. Getting a black shirt last year, uh, that as good of a season as he had, as many plays as he, he made, he still left a couple plays out there. Uh, had he made those, the coaches said he, he would be a black shirt. And so that's kind of been his driving force all off season long is to 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 make those plays and to become a black shirt.
1: When I look Nate too, at this defense, um, moving down to the defensive line now, I really think that that's going to be a group that's going to surprise people. It, it just seems like. The right pieces are coming back, and they've added some good pieces. I mean, you look at Carlos and Khalil. I think they're going to make a big jump. They had good seasons, all things considered. I think maybe they had to play those guys a little out of position at times. They played them more reps, and they wanted to play them. I think Ben Stilley is going to get better. Um, you know, he's growing more into his frame. I think Damian Daniels gets better. We know Darian Daniels is brothers in addition. DeAndre Thomas is going to be a contributor next year. And then there's kind of an opportunity for a Deshaun Neal or a Casey Rogers or a Wildeman, somebody else, I think, to merge in that group. But I think there's something there right now in that defensive line, or that could be – one of the surprise position groups on this team next year.
0: Well, yeah, the whole group from top to bottom there uh, across the D line, I think it all had productive uh, winter conditioning sessions with uh, Zach Duvall and uh, and you're right, there's a lot of guys that I think can do a lot of different things there. Um, you know, it may not be the the group that the staff ultimately wants from top to bottom in terms of their ideal fit in the scheme, but I think there's enough talent in that room to where they can kind of piece it together and, and put those guys in the right positions to make plays. And, um, you know, and first and foremost, I think it comes to, to stopping the run. And uh, you want to talk about what somebody like a Darian Daniels automatically brings to the table in that regard. I think both him and Damian, uh, you know, are going to give Nebraska a good push there uh, up front. And then uh, and I think that will free up uh, Carlos and Khalil Davis to, to kind of do some different things, utilize their athleticism in, in some different spots. So, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about what the D-line uh, can do, the, maybe the jump that that group can make as a whole. And if they do make a, a big jump, I think that's going to be a huge boost for the defense as a whole.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Alliance Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk uh, defensive storylines and um, I, I, I just think any of these newcomers too it'll be interesting to see like a Nick Henrich he's going to get a real chance this spring he right now is repping with twos um, you, you look at how they have it divided up right now Honus who's limited is working uh, at one Mike linebacker spot um, and then obviously Muhammad Berry's at one um, Colin and Colin, Colin Miller's running the ones next to Muhammad Berry so um, Henrich is right behind Barry, um, as a two getting lots of reps this spring. Um, he's somebody that could really take advantage of that this spring.
0: Yeah. He's learning. Um, you know, he, obviously he's got a long ways to go. Uh, but he, he's definitely, I mean, the best way to, to learn is, is to get reps to get out there and do it. And, and Barrett Rood said, uh, on Wednesday that, Uh, that he's doing a great job. He's learning. He's taking advantage of of the opportunity. Uh, You know, I think he's a guy that will need to continue to develop physically uh, to kind of you know, uh, be able to go through the, the Big Ten schedule. But, uh, but yeah, he's got not, he's got a very real opportunity to to play and, and to play quite a bit, um, given the, the lack of overall depth there at the inside linebacker's position. All right, when
1: we come back, we're going to bring in Husker Online intern Grace Harmon. We're going to take your questions in the mailbag. That's next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
3: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
0: I can tell you that each person... At least had two pounds, but I know we ate more than that <laughs> per person. Man, we had everything grilled. Everything you, they had on that menu, we ate it. Tater tots, chicken fingers, burgers, lemonade,
1: water, uh, grilled wings, regular wings, everything. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. That was defensive lineman Carl Carlos Davis. That was a pretty intense tone, but we were talking about food. Uh, he discussed the... Uh, Meet-and-greet dinner, they had a new defensive line coach, Tony Tuioti, at the watering hole. And anyone that's been there, their wing prices have gone up a lot since I was in college, Nate.
0: Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's not cheap. So I can only imagine. I know he tweeted out a picture, something to the effect of um, a family that eats together, stays together. And there were at least 20 offensive or defensive linemen in that picture, it looked like. So I don't even want to know what that bill was.
1: Well, we're back here on the mailbag. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, Robin Washington out at Big Ten Basketball. So we have just us two with Grace Harmon. Grace, what do you have to start us out in the mailbag?
2: All right. Well, kind of going off of that intro, the first question is, what players have transformed the most over winter conditioning?
1: I mean, I think you got to start with JoJo Dolman. Um, It was interesting to hear Jovon Dewitt. He he used the words, he looks like a brick you-know-what. Um, and he used the real word. I'm not going to use it on this show because we're on radio stations across the state of Nebraska. Uh, but JoJo in getting up to 230 I think was a surprise. I think Damian Daniels has dropped some good weight. Um, Brennan Hymas I think looks bigger and more lean. He's closer to 300. Carlos Davis is up to 310, Nate.
0: Wow, yeah, I mean, that's a good-looking 310 right there. I, I think you could, you could really pick anybody across that defensive line. I think all those guys are looking pretty good. Uh, Cameron Jurgens is, is somebody who has is, is, uh, noticeably transformed his body, obviously, uh, with the position change and everything. Uh, you know, a couple other guys that stood out to me were uh, Cam Taylor. Uh, I mean, he's looking really, really good. Um, you know, in, in, he, Last year he looked kind of like a freshman. He does not look like a freshman anymore. I, I'd venture to say he even looks more like a, like a fifth-year senior than, than a sophomore um you know Jerron Woodyard has has added some some good weight he's uh he's looking really big too so I mean really there's across the board everyone's um you know I I think really taken to the the offseason conditioning program
2: all right and what players are you you hearing the most buzz about so far on offense and defense
1: I mean Wondell Robinson now we didn't get to see him at practice Monday um he's battling a hamstring but I, I think just the the buzz that he brought the first week, um, it was real. And, and a lot of times when a new true freshman comes in out of high school early, you just don't hear much about him because they're so overwhelmed with everything the the lifestyle change, moving to college, um, learning the playbooks, the athletes on the field, everything. And you don't get the sense that's been a problem for Wandell Robinson. So that's a guy I think that's made a jump. Um, they need some other guys on offense, at running back. I mean, a guy like. Jeron Woodyard, I think, is somebody, or uh, Mike Williams particularly, are receivers that they would like to see um, step up more this spring. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, jo- JoJo Dolman, I mentioned him earlier. I think he's a name, Nate, uh, that jumps out for me already that um, is poised to make a big rise.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think you mentioned Mike Williams. You know, he's somebody that – has gotten a little bit of run, I guess, from Troy Walters. I had some nice things to say about him. Obviously, he's he's somebody that needs to continue to get better at, at blocking and and uh, you know improving his overall game. But uh, you know, I, I think he's he's doing well. Uh, J D Spielman, you know, everyone knows what you know how good J D Spielman is. So I think sometimes he's a little overlooked, but. Um, you know, from what little practice we've been able to see, which isn't a whole lot, but um, yeah, you know, I was impressed with with what J.D. Spielman did, especially in that Nebraska drill. Uh, I mean, he, he he put some moves on some guys in the open field that. Uh, You know, he he made some guys look kind of silly. So, uh, you know, it's always good to, you know, when you've got a veteran like that, that they continue to to get better and and perform at a high
1: level. We're taking your questions here in the mailbag with Grace Harmon. What do you have next, Grace? All right, so with the
2: NFL draft fast approaching and just having Nebraska's Pro Day last week, what former player would be your first pick in a Husker-centered NFL draft?
1: Um, I I think you have to go Stanley Morgan. We're talking about just players eligible this year. Mm-hmm. Um we're not talking like all Huskers involved in the NFL. Um I would say Stanley Morgan one, Divino Zigbo two. I, I don't know I don't know if it'd be hard for me to go any different than that.
0: Yeah, I mean those those are the two obvious guys. I, I was impressed though, with what um you Gifford. know with some of the numbers that Gifford and and Farmer put up. Uh you know, when you stack those against what uh you know what was done at the nfl combine those guys those guys you know did really really well so um you know they're, they're probably the next in line in that conversation i would say what do you got next
2: all right so this past season nebraska didn't really play with the same pace uh that most people are familiar from seeing from frost offenses um do you think we'll see a change here in tempo
1: i think they want to do that but a lot of things have to come into play number one the efficiency of the offense that starts on early downs and being able to run the ball when you get into third and eight um, or third and long it's just so hard to keep that pace you have to get that first first down and then the pace really goes and then the defense uh, nebraska needs more depth and playmakers on defense you don't want to just hurry up and speed up this offense if you don't have the defensive guys on the other end to complement what you're doing
0: yeah that's kind of counterproductive when when the offense and defense aren't working in in sync there so uh, but, yeah, I, I do think that we're going to see a faster-paced offense this year. I think year two in the system uh, people, you know, people are thinking a little bit less, you know, processing the information uh, quicker. Um, you know, I think there's, there's uh, you know, a lot less teaching that, that's going on compared to last year, especially this time last year, you know uh they they talked about it a a lot last spring how they were nowhere near you know running practice at the tempo they wanted to and and Ryan Held said you know I think last week that the things have gotten better they're still not where they want it to be uh because when when they're operating at the tempo that they want to be at it's it's a weapon uh the defense doesn't have any time whatsoever to get set they're on their heels the entire time and it is truly a, a weapon and um and and I think that they'll be closer to getting there in year two
1: we got time for about two more grace what do you have
2: all right so do you think the maurice washington situation has been a distraction for the team
1: i don't think so um i i I think the outside we tend to make it more of a distraction than what it really is but i get the sense on the inside it's been business as usual with the practices um with everything i did find it kind of coincidental nate and interesting that the monday that he was out in california they 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 swapped the media availability now I didn't I didn't see on Wednesday when we were there. Did you see Maurice walk by? I didn't by? see him walk by. It's um, not to
0: say he wasn't there on Wednesday, but
1: they're smart enough to know that people would film him walking by, so maybe he goes in a different way, who knows, but I think they're being really um conscious of that. Like they don't want to just let him walk by the cameras and by the media and and create, you know, maybe a distraction that way with cameras trying to get a shot of him, which I don't know why you would want to um other than just just to have it, but um, I, I, I don't think any of the players have really noticed this. It's been business as usual.
0: Yeah, it's business as usual from from what I can tell. And, um, and again, Ryan Held kind of mentioned that last week. He, he said, you know, all, all we can do is, is play with the guys that we have when they're here. Uh, all I can do is, is coach the guys that are, that are at practice. And uh, some days, you know, Maurice Washington's going to be there, and some other days he's not going to be there. And I um, and and I think it's just business as usual. They, whoever is out there on the practice field at that at that day, uh, is is going to be going through. They're they're the guys that are going to be getting the reps and getting the work. And uh, I don't see this whole this whole deal being a, a big distraction to the team whatsoever.
1: All right, final question, Grace. What do you have?
2: All right. So with uh, kind of road conditions lately, what is the worst pothole that you have hit here in the last week or so?
1: Let me tell you, I've been up and down 70th and 80th, 84th Street in Lincoln, and I was in Omaha um, this week as well, Uh, but going down 84th Street on on the right lane especially, I mean, there are some just craters when you get kind of around O Street on the older parts. It seems like the newer roads in town, those are the ones hanging in well, but... Mm -hmm. The ones that they just try to patchwork and keep going with, um, you know, th- the lack of money they've put in some of these streets. I think it's coming back to bite them on a year like this because, uh, man, those uh, filling crews are really busy around the city of Lincoln.
0: Yeah, it's going to I don't I would not want to be someone that's that's in charge of fixing all of them. Uh, I've, I've hit a couple, but, but nothing too bad. Uh, you know, there's some bad ones on uh a street between like 14th and 16th um, that i've had to go out of my way to avoid uh old cheney there, there's a couple nasty ones on old cheney between like 27th and 40th too uh but uh, fortunately knock on wood i've i've yet to to really hit a terrible one
1: yeah it's it, it's it might be until September get they get these all filled in, and that stuff they put in, it's just a temporary patch that doesn't last. You it Doesn't know, work when they when they when they fill it in with like that machine. I mean, it's basically just putting like sand in the hole, and I mean they're gonna have to go back over it again in the summertime. So, uh, feel bad for the city leaders. Whatever budget you guys have, it's shot for the year.
0: Yeah, just uh, just hope they don't raise the wheel tax. Hey,
1: but, it's a like. My argument is, hey, it's a once in a lifetime or what? What's the once a hundred year type winner? Yeah. I mean, you're justified, I believe, to go over your budget on a deal like this. So, get it fixed. Um, just don't raise our taxes, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps it up for the mailbag. Thank you very much, Grace. Thank you. All right. When we come back, we'll close the show with some recruiting talk. You're listening to the Husker Online Show.
3: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
4: I think he's brought some experience, he's brought some leadership. Uh, He's not afraid to speak his mind, and he does it in a proper manner. uh, He's not trying to be the guy that comes in here and and I'm going to run this team right away. But those guys, by the way that he works in the offseason, by the way that he drills, by the way he runs to the ball in practice, those guys are naturally starting to listen and follow along with him. So I think another leadership piece and another experienced guy has, has been huge for him.
1: And we're back here on the Huskar Line Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk recruiting. Now, it was interesting just to hear Eric Chenander. We discussed um, earlier in the show uh, about Darian Daniels and what he's brought, but you know, it sounds like he Nate is going to be one of the more impactful newcomers um, on this team in a while. I mean, just to have a new grad transfer come in with his level of experience, um, not only has brought you know contributions on the field, but I think behind the scenes he's kind of already brought some leadership
0: well and that was the first thing that Oklahoma State people kind of talked about him uh, you know when when it, when the news kind of broke that he was going to be a grad transfer to Nebraska because as a senior last year at Oklahoma State uh, you know after he he injured his his hand and, and that required surgery um, you know they still traveled him on the on the travel roster because he was that big of a, a vocal leader uh, and he meant that much to the team and you just don't see that very often to, where where a staff is going to continue to uh to allow an injured player to travel with the team because he's that that big of a leader so uh, you know, I think that's a huge aspect that, that maybe was was missing a little bit, uh, you know, last year, and um, and not just a guy that can lead, but is also someone who can back it up on the field. You know, he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He's he's proven himself at the the Power Five level there at, at Oklahoma State. So I'm really excited to see you know what what he can bring to the table uh, for that defensive line.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Cloth Let's talk recruiting now, Nate. Um, it's kind of spring break around the country for a lot of different places, which means kids are taking visits, um, unofficial visits. Um, but for Nebraska, a fairly busy week, Nate, on the unofficial visit front. And, you know, you may even see some guys. I know Nebraska's not practicing next week, but if a kid wants to come in, they might have some guys slip in and out next week too.
0: Yeah, this is the time of year where you're going to see a bunch of unofficial visitors kind of start to make their way through Lincoln um, you know, as they're on spring break and everything. You know, last week you had Roger Rosengarten, the the big offensive lineman from Colorado, make his way to town. And, and kind of the headliner early in the week was, uh, you know, as far as unofficial visitors go, is Demetrius Davis, the 2021 quarterback out of Houston, Texas, um, you know, helped lead North Shore High School to a 16-0 and record on the season. One state, 6A football. So, Uh, You're talking about a sophomore quarterback that helped lead his team to an undefeated record in the largest classification in the state of Texas. And, oh, by the way, he threw for 3,300 yards uh, for 44 touchdowns and completed 72% of, of his passes, So, um, and, and he can run. So, I mean, he, he kind of checks all the boxes that Nebraska wants in their quarterbacks. Um, now, he's not the biggest guy at 5'11", 190 pounds, but, but like I said, he, he's got those leadership qualities. He's got the, uh, I think, the you know, the, the decision-making uh, ability and, and the arm and the athleticism that – that Mario Verduzco really, really likes, and so uh, to get him on campus this early on in the process is a big deal because uh, you're you're battling teams like LSU and Florida State, and uh, you know it, it's. About 15 other schools that have already offered, and he's going to be a national type of recruit. He's a 21. 21. It's just so, amazing
1: to be that far ahead of well, a quarterback. Yeah, they've got
0: three. their they got Logan Smothers in the in the boat already for 2020, uh, which they are which they continue to recruit really really hard uh, because teams aren't backing off him by any means. But uh, but I think you have to tip your hat to the job Mario Verduzco has done in, in kind of uh, recruiting Logan Smothers hard, but also getting ahead of the curve here with Demetrius Davis and a lot of a a lot of other 2021 quarterbacks they've offered about seven or eight 2021 guys and Uh, you know like I said to to get Demetrius Davis on campus this early in the game is a pretty big deal to Nebraska and and he loved the trip he loved being able to go out to practice he loved being able to to be around Scott Frost and and Mario Verdusco and uh, and he he flat out said you know that system that offensive system would be one that I fit very very well would be one that I would love to play in so uh, so the Huskers are a real player here.
1: Nate, with this early signing day, too, um, quarterback recruiting, I mean, it always was the first thing. You know, if, if you didn't have a quarterback by Memorial Day, you were kind of in trouble. Yeah. I mean, now it seems like it's even sped up even further than that as far as your current year that you're working on. I mean, Nebraska, as you mentioned, has Logan Smothers. That's their only current commit. Um, but have you seen that nationally with quarterback recruiting for 20s right now? A lot, I mean, a lot of the board for 20 is already um, full of commits.
0: Yeah, the, the upper echelon. Players, uh, you know the top-rated quarterbacks, the most highly recruited guys, uh, are coming off the board if they haven't, you know, already been off the board. So, um, you know, Nebraska in that in that aspect is is sitting really really good for 2020. Now, like you said, that he Logan Smothers is the only commit for 2020 right now, but I think that will change. And and that's a question that I keep getting over and over: Is okay? Are you worried that Nebraska only has one commit right now? And and I'm not. Uh, It was all over the chat this week. Yeah. I
1: mean, I think every year, Nebraska, as we know, two events kind of spark the class, the red-white game and then the first kind of big red weekend Mm -hmm. event in June. Those two events build typically the base of the recruiting class.
0: Yeah, and by the time you are done with the month of June, you're sitting at double-digit commits, and you're heading into, you know, the – the month of July and, and the kind of on into the fall with half your class in the boat. And you're, you're feeling pretty good about things. And and I think that's exactly how we're going to see things play out once again this year. I think that um, you might see a commitment between now and the spring game, but more than likely you're going to get maybe a kid or two from the spring game. And then you're going to see your run of commits in June. And by the time June's over with by the time camp season and all that's done with um, you're going to see, you know, this 2020 class in the, in the, in the double digits, and um, they'll be ranked ahead of Iowa. Everyone's freaked out right now because Iowa has eight commits, and they're they're ranked like number thirteen in the country. But how many of those are local guys? Well, yeah, like like four four in-state uh, commits right now for the Hawkeyes, and um, and they you know I think the other four commits are all from bordering states, Illinois, and, and a couple other places. So um yeah I'm not worried whatsoever Um, well who's
1: been outside in the last month yeah I mean it's not exactly been chamber of commerce recruiting weekends to bring (laughs) kids into Lincoln especially from out of state um so yeah it it never to me makes sense to bring in a bunch of junior days in February and March I mean you have one maybe like they're gonna have
0: you, you get your local kids your your regional prospects to come into that um you know because I mean they're they can drive in. First of all, it's easier for them. They're used getting, to the weather here. They're used here. to the weather. Yeah, it's, if it's snowing in Lincoln and you know late February or, or early February or, or whatever, and you, no big deal because they're coming from Missouri or Kansas or Colorado or Iowa or whatever. You know, it's it's no big deal. But uh, but yeah, you want to you want to try and get your your really high profile guys from out of state or that are going to be coming in from from the coasts uh, in for the spring game because that's kind of a well. A, yeah, I mean if
1: I yeah you this if I, if I was going to ask you this nate if you had one swing to bring a guy in from signing day to july 4th when would it be the spring game yeah I mean, I, I, mean, anybody, you can't, I mean you
0: can't duplicate the spring game it's it's a sold out event that's the closest thing you can get to a game day atmosphere um you know this time of year in in the country really and so i mean it's it's a unique situation so yeah you, you want to bring them in for the spring game if you can um, you know and, and Friday night lights are, are also a big deal I mean those those weekends are, are good uh, but yeah for the spring game it, it would make much more sense for you to, to really push to get your national type of kids in for that weekend and, and that's what we're going to see we're going to see a, l- a lot of kids coming in from all over the country uh, you know for for the spring game and and, uh, and then once again for Friday night lights I think that'll be a pretty big event uh, this summer.
1: Well, no baseball this weekend. Nebraska baseball with New Mexico State has been canceled, not postponed. They won't reschedule it. Um, So Husker baseball uh, without games this weekend. So it's going to be a very quiet weekend here on the sporting front. Spring break in full effect on campus. Nebraska baseball, though, back in action Tuesday and Wednesday against Air Force location to be determined. So plenty to keep up on, but it won't be a real busy weekend here around the world of Huskers.